0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome to our Lifeline Parenting Series. We're joined in studio every week at this time by Vern Tyler, who is founder of Hosanna Pathways and the Hosanna Parent Project. And over the course of the next many weeks, we'll be talking with Vern about many of the foundational biblically-based principles for successful parenting. And by way of introduction every week, Vern, you've got a lot of experience in this. You and your wife, Judy, have not only raised a family of your own, but over the course of many years have been foster parents to about 800 children. I would imagine you've learned a thing or two. (laughs) Very much so, and
2: wonderfully so. It's been a marvelous, marvelous adventure.
1: This series, of course, week by week, will unveil a number of foundational principles when it comes to parenting, not only in terms of addressing the so-called problem child, but quite frankly, for any child. So toward that degree, this is really appropriate for parents, whether they're dealing with children who are a little bit more mature, perhaps preteen years or even older, up to and including those parents who are still anticipating their first
2: child. And I would urge families that are even thinking of families, the pregnancy stage, uh, the infancy stage, these principles are so significant that if you implement them at an early age, you are avoiding the problems of later age. And this, is to me, is, the, is a greater adventure. Uh, if we try to intervene in the older children, generally their mind, their computer, is pretty well already programmed and to deprogrammed is a very, very challenging uh, process. So getting started young is the key. Use that phrase
1: that you mentioned earlier about uh, redirecting as opposed to...
2: Oh, it's better to build boys and girls than to mend men, and women. Let's use that again.
1: So at the end of the day, then, you've got a phrase that I think will really help parents understand the purpose of this series.
2: Better to build boys and girls than to men, men, and
1: women. Let's get underway with today's edition of the Hosanna Parent Project, and toward the end of our conversation with Vern, we'll give you more information about how you can sign up for classes at a church in your area as part of the Hosanna Parent Project.
2: So we're going to launch into some issues today. First, we're going to kind of talk about control versus influence, but I probably want to spend most of the program dealing with how do we motivate our children. Uh, That's a real key issue also. But let's go ahead and get started dealing with this control versus influence because I think this is perhaps the greatest complication or mistake that parents make with their children. They assume that they need to control or that they can control their children. This is uh, such a mistaken issue. Uh, And if we just think back in our childhood... I think we would realize that our parents did not really control us now. There is an element of control that's there, particularly when we're in their presence. But the real issue of control uh, becomes much more relevant when we're not with our parents. Obviously, we spend most of the time away from our parents, unless you're an infant and have to be carried around. Uh, But as we age, the further we grow away from our parents, normally, uh, or typically, maybe I should put it that way, typically, Children become less obedient unless they have been trained appropriately in their younger years. Uh, so this is a, an extremely, extremely important issue. And if you can't come to grips with this issue, you're probably going to have complications in any area you're trying to deal with your child in. Um, so it's very, very, very important to understand this issue. This is human nature. Uh, that's our purpose as parents, even, is to grow our children into independent individuals. But we have to have some measure of uh, responsibility from our children. Again, it, can't, it isn't uh, the issue of control. It's the issue of influence. You now, if we look at our relationship with God, uh, we realize that God gave us free choice. And I'm so thankful for that. We don't live in a world of cookie-cutter human beings. We live in a world where God has given us choice, uh, and he's given us our word, or his word, the Bible, uh, to influence, to give us the the roadmap. Uh, We can read that roadmap, and we can choose to reject it if we want. Now, that doesn't mean we avoid the consequences. Obviously, we do. But I think if we were honest with ourselves and look at our culture today, we would have to say, you know, we're drifting we're getting further and further away from um, a sensitive culture, a culture that is responsive and responsible uh, to good human relations, let alone good spiritual relations. Uh, that's the world we live in. And, folks, it is very challenging for us as parents in this modern day. Uh, and there are many reasons for that, but probably the, the, the most obvious one is that the media, the availability of information uh, is now so readily available, and we can't control all of that. And that has a huge, huge influence on our children. Um, But we need to be thankful that God has given us the free will, but we need to understand that free will is going to be exercised by our children against us as parents also, and grandparents. When I talk about parents, I'm talking about grandparents too. I think That's another issue in today's modern culture that is extremely tragic, is that grandparents assume that they don't have any role, or have a very limited role, with regard to their children, let alone their grandchildren. Uh, I think this is, again, a huge mistake. I take great pride, and I'm very active, both in my children's life, my grandchildren, and now I'm looking forward to my great-grandchildren. So uh, please understand how important these issues really are. And as we exercise our free will against our God, our children are going to exercise their free will against us. So the real issue becomes how can we create an environment where our children will appreciate our input, appreciate who we are, appreciate our values. Uh, Now this becomes a very, very significant issue if you have in your family, and most of us do, what we would call a strong-willed child, uh, a child that is rather more, uh, more um, independent, uh, argumentative, um, wanting to do it their way. They don't want to listen to instruction. They don't want to listen to information. Uh, they're going to learn uh, their own way. Uh, these kids are not going to respond to what I'm going to refer to as a traditional parenting um, uh, environment. Uh, these you have to find ways to reach these kids that will uh, motivate them to want to listen to you uh, and to respect what you have to say. This is going to be an ongoing battle. Uh, we we never win that battle again because of our free will. But when we have uh, strong-willed children, generally we're going to find a an environment, a home environment, a family environment uh, that is rather stressful. Um, The uh, relationships are gonna probably be a little more strained and more challenging. Um, The uh, issue of power struggles in the home, generally going to be very, very high. Uh, Power struggles not just with the parents but even among your children because this strong-willed child is uh, very set in their ways they think that they know it all, and they're going to live their life accordingly. Uh, so, we need to recognize uh, that even with a compliant child, their nature is to want to kind of experiment, not necessarily to listen. Uh, and as they get into the teen years, as they a- approach adulthood, we tend to find that even our our compliant ch- children uh, are going to become more independent and and uh, less. Um, receptive, if you will, to our uh, instruction, our interventions, uh, our values. But again, if we've done a good job, whether it's a a compliant child or a strong-willed child, if we've done a good job in the younger years, you're going to significantly reduce the stress and the issues you're going to have to deal with in the older years. Uh, As a counselor and as a person who teaches parenting skills using the parent project model, um i see the error of families that did not recognize this significant issue and so they're coming to me and coming to my classes when their children are at 16 17 18 19 and even beyond that i've had many people in my class they've got uh young adults 20 21 22 25 years old still living at home and uh the child uh, the child or the young adult at this point uh, still not wanting to comply and uh, be part of a family. They want to be very independent. So, folks, the sooner we can get to the position of realizing how critical this issue is and the uh, quicker that we understand that we need to start uh, an environment in our home where our children will want to listen to us and others will uh, allow us to influence them, uh, the more effective you're going to be uh, with establishing your values and helping your child avoid many, many of the very harmful uh, situations that they're going to be invited into and participate in. Uh, so, it's again, it's very, very important. We need to start young. So some of these principles, some of these issues that I'm going to be sharing, sharing with you here in this program, hopefully are going to help you to get an uh, as early a start as you can, dealing with your children, helping them, Uh, to understand how important uh, this whole issue uh, is for them. Uh, But again, please understand, children, particularly strong little kids, are going to fight against this. This is going to be an eternal battle. It's one that you've got to try to win as best as you can by applying good principles and being consistent. Uh, If you're not going to be consistent, don't even attempt the principles because you're only going to make matters worse. Um, particularly strong little kids are going to push back and try to figure out, find out how serious you are and whether or not this is a firm foundation or a firm cur- uh, uh, curb uh, that if they push against, they're only going to um, uh, have a, uh, an issue pushed back at them that does not motivate them. In other words, it causes them to stop and think. Let's take a break. We'll be back shortly. And now, back to Lifeline. Welcome back to the Purpose Driven Parenting Program. Uh, your host, Vern Tyler here. Today we've been discussing the issue of control versus influence. And as I've, uh, uh, in the first segment, uh, tried to impress on you all that the control issue can be one of the most complicated and mistaken things that we can do as parents. Uh, not only as parents, as individuals, um, if we're going to be a control freak or a person that feels we've got to control, we're going to probably find that these behaviors are illustrated in our life, in our relationships, period, with our spouse, uh, with our peers, with our uh, fellow working um, mates, whatever the case, whatever the environment might be. Uh, oftentimes, I think we feel that in order to be successful, we need to be control-oriented. And I think, again, this is a fallacy. I hope in the first segment I put that to sleep with everybody. Uh, but this is a tough one. And when I uh, do parenting um, uh, uh, classes, this is probably one of the most difficult things that I find parents to accept. Probably the uh, only thing that's greater for them to accept um, uh, in the, with regard to the control issue is the issue that they must change first. Folks, if we want our kids to change, we have to be doing it right, which usually means we kind of go along with a cultural standard, the social standard, whatever the case might be, and that will lead to the control kinds of issues. Uh, No, we need to be loving, tender, um, sensitive, uh, and we need to demonstrate that in all areas of our life, and all of the relationships. So please remember, we don't control people. But as we get into this, we're going to find what we do control things. And uh, that, when we get down to motivating our children, is going to be a very, very, very critical and important uh, segment that we need to understand, work on, and integrate into our, uh, our families. Let's just touch base a little bit about this influencing issue because I think most of us parents assume that we have very little influence on our children today. Uh, And it is a challenge because particularly of the social media that's out there. Uh, That's very alluring to our children. And uh, uh, they tend to assemble themselves in peer groups uh, that evolve around the media issue. Uh, This all tends to challenge us even more as parents. But statistically, let's just take a look at this issue because I think we – misunderstand how critical this issue is for us as parents and grandparents. Again, when I talk about parents, I'm talking about grandparents, too. Folks, step up to the plate, grandparents. Uh, You're very desperately needed in today's culture. Uh, But let's just talk a little bit about this influence issue. We probably do not understand the importance of this role model. Uh, Again, scientifically or statistically, if we were uh, to look into this, we'd find that in the ages of 12 to 25, um, roughly 50% of the child's values are, are taken by from their parents. Now, those values aren't just what you say, but it's how we behave in the, in the family. In fact, the way we behave in the family is going to have a far greater impact on our children than what we say. Uh, children, I think, oftentimes can dismiss what we say because we don't follow through. We're inconsistent. Kids pick up on that. They realize whether we're going to be consistent, whether we're going to enforce the rule, whether our expectations are real, or whether it's just a hope. And if it's just a hope, uh, there's no boundary there. There's no guardrail for the kid to bounce against and say, whoa, this is going beyond what is permissive permissive or permitted and what's appropriate. So our children are very confused oftentimes, not just because of our culture where they're getting mixed messages, but because of the way that we're conducting our home. Our home is very inconsistent, and uh, we don't follow through uh, what we say is going to happen or what we expect of our children we don't follow through on. Uh, this is very destructive. But uh, even in general, even if you've got all of these other complications, brain consistent and etc, we're going to find that uh, roughly fifty percent of our children's values still come from us. Uh, so that's um, a very critical issue to understand. But now beyond that, okay, from age 25 to age 30, we can influence our children another 30%. So if you add the 50 and the 30, what do we come up with? We come up with 80%. That means that when our children or grandchildren become adults, let's say at age 30, by this time they've passed through all of these changes and they've now understood uh, some of the issues of life, we will have had an 80% influence in their life. Uh, That's extremely important to understand. But folks, oftentimes, uh, even in that first period between the ages of 12 and 25, because of our inconsistency, because of our lack of discipline, the way that we have structured our home, we've limited that percentage. And then we totally give up on our kids once they leave home or once they reach age 18. What a mistake. What a horrible mistake. Uh, Again, statistically, scientifically, uh, we have the ability to influence, uh, but we don't realize the significance of that. We don't realize how powerful this is. So our children have to suffer because of our misunderstanding or not understanding. Uh, Folks, it is so important for you to get the appropriate parenting skills. And as you apply the parenting skills... Uh, our children will, as it, particularly as they grow older, they will appreciate the skills, the values that we have provided with them. Uh, but we've got to have that foundation, and we have to be consistent in enforcing those boundaries, because if we don't, then we're only complicating our children's life. They're going to go into adulthood a very confused, uh, conflicted oftentimes, uh, and even angry uh... that they don't understand life they can't seem to function in life and so we have a, a uh... a generation i think we're seeing this i think all of us that that view the the generation that's coming up now they're very confused they're very lost they don't have a rudder uh... where are their values now folks don't blame the kids when we haven't done our job <laughs> we can't blame the generation if we haven't trained that generation to be who they should be, who they could be, even. Uh, I think this is so tragic with so many kids today, and I've worked I work with I've foster parented personally over 800 children. And I can tell you one of the basic things that I try to get uh, uh, integrated into these kids' lives is that I do love them, number one, and that I do want to influence them for their good. And I'm going to help them work through their issues. I'm going to help them answer their questions. I'm going to help them through their doubts. When they're uh, uh, even angry, I need to help them work through, why are you angry? How can we find a solution? Anger is probably the most destructive emotion that we face. But in any event, our children uh, usually have no understanding of the emotion and how to vent that, how to work with it, how to mold it. Anger is a good emotion but it has to be under control. Anger is a normal emotion, but it has to be under control. And, folks, we as parents, if we'll learn some of these principles, some of these uh, principles of parenting, we can help our children to come to grips with these things and help them um, avoid so many of these critical issues that they cannot handle that are typical in life. Um, It's very important, folks. Please understand what uh, the power is that we have to influence our children. And the necessity, not just that we have the power, but it is so absolutely critical and necessary that we work through this so that our children do uh, or are able to handle these issues in in natural, normal life in a way that will be beneficial and helpful uh, in their future. Uh, Grandparents, uh, you need to be frank, honest, honest. And at times, I think we need to challenge our kids with regard to their behaviors, who they associate with, what are some of the uh, harmful things that they do. Uh, And if you are respected by them, and most grandparents that I know are, but you're just a little bit timid in terms of confronting in love. So these are some significant issues. We're going to take another break and be right back. And now, back to Lifeline. Welcome back to Purpose Driven Parenting. Your host here, Vern Tyler. We've been uh, talking today about control versus influence. And uh, the last segment, we tried to focus in more detail uh, in helping us better understand the tremendous influence we have or can have on our children's life. Unfortunately, uh, during the last segment, as I shared with you, I think we parents are so focused on control and control to the extent that our social uh, and cultural environment expect of us that we don't understand the influence uh, that we can uh, have on our children. And that's going to be the winning the battle. Folks, if we win the hearts of our children, which is the influencing side, not the control side, we can never control a human, uh, then you're going to have the ability to read into their life, put into their life, infuse into their life, some of your values, some of the things that you hold dear. And that's particularly so critical to those of us that understand real meaning in life only comes from the spiritual side. We have it together on the spiritual side, then everything else tends to take a focus. And uh, we have a meaning and a hope in life that only comes from that spiritual side. I want to now kind of move into another area. Uh, This is the area of motivating our children. I think that this is another battle that we as parents and grandparents uh, tend to do incorrectly. We tend to try to motivate with the wrong things. We tend to use things of the secular world, gifts, money, cars, clothing, uh, electronics. I mean, there are a number of things that we tend to use as objects to motivate our children. Don't think that there are many of us out there that don't feel guilty even about this. Uh, I know I tend to feel this way, I think, during Christmas time because it isn't that I'm trying to buy love or trying to buy affection, trying to influence the children. It is just simply out of the graciousness and the cultural issue that in Christmas time we give gifts. Um, but those gifts, uh, what they represent, have a significant outcome. Uh, behavioral outcome for our kids. Significant impact on the values. Uh, When we give secular gifts, we're going to promote secular values. When we understand the spiritual issue and try to influence our children accordingly, then just logic, we're going to have an outcome that should be more spiritually oriented uh, than, uh, than secular. So we need to... Think of what it is, how it is that we motivate our children. Obviously, the way that we motivate somebody is to uh, try to meet their desire, uh, try to meet what uh, makes them feel good. And this is important, folks. It's very important. Every time I make a decision or have to uh, met out a consequence because of inappropriate behavior, I always have in the back of my mind, if I i am not going to handle this or if I don't handle this in a way that helps my child to walk away not feeling even ashamed. I don't even want them to feel ashamed. I want them to realize that they have done something that was not appropriate. I'm not going to hold this against them. I'm not going to keep a scorecard. But what I saw happen did not make me feel happy and is something that I sense is not going to be appropriate in their future. And if I don't address it, then they're going to be hurting. So I'm going to present it in that way. I want my children to feel good. Uh, I want my spouse to feel good when I have to confront them on an issue. I want them when they have to confront me to be able to walk away saying, I've learned something from this and I don't feel that I've been degraded, put down, mocked, humiliated, no. Uh, So our children should feel good whenever we, whatever whatever the circumstance, when we're around our children, even when we, uh, I don't like the word punishment, but when we have to chastise or when we have to correct our children, uh, they should be able to walk away from that, saying, "You know, this was done sensitively, and I appreciate my mother and father, who have lovingly and sensitively approached me." This is so critical for kids. Uh, if not, they're going to be we're going to have angry kids. Uh, again, I do a lot of counseling, and I see angry kids. There are very few kids uh, whom I counsel that I. Uh, It isn't obvious that they're angry. Why are they angry? They're angry at their parents. They're angry at their peers. They're angry at their situation. Uh, Because nothing is being in their world has any uh, sensitivity to their human nature that they long to be loved, be part of something. So it's important, folks, for us folks to realize that we've got to motivate our children. Now, in the motivating process, again, we're going to try to use things, not people. We're going to control things and we're going to control things that make them feel good, all right? Because we want them to feel good, particularly for younger children, you can't take their things away for long periods of time. That's a death sentence. That will make them angry. That will frustrate them. I shared a little bit earlier. I don't like to use the term punishment uh, because that's a negative term. Uh, Folks, when I have to confront my child, I don't want them to sense that they're being punished. I want them to sense that I love them enough that I will confront them to help them avoid something that I feel is not going to help them in the future. In other words, it's not going to be an enjoyable thing by a third party or somebody else uh, having to approach this issue with you. Uh, And if you don't get control of these kinds of things, things like divorce, going to jail, uh, unpleasant things are going to happen in your life. Uh, I want to try to help you avoid that. So this is, Again, as one of those very important things, folks, is be careful how we approach. When we have to uh, render a consequence because of behavior to our children, don't make it punitive. You make it punitive, it's going to be negative. You make it punitive, they're going to be angry. They're not going to accept it. Uh, if you're going to be punitive, uh, they're probably going to react to you in that same manner. Respect begets respect. Disrespect begets Disrespect punishment is a form of disrespect. If you punish your child, they're going to be thinking of ways to punish you too. And folks, we see this in our house on a very consistent basis. We give a, a long-term consequence to our kids, and we as a family suffer as much as the child does. In fact, the child, that's intentional on in the part of the child. Oh, you're going to make me suffer? I'm going to make you suffer too. That's human nature, folks. Uh so you want to get that that edge? that punitive edge out of how you react to your children, you've got to. If you don't, they are going to react just by their human nature. They are going to react in a similar manner that you have reacted or responded to them by meting out punishment. Uh, so please remember that, um, again, we want to motivate our kids to positive behaviors, to good behaviors, not negative behaviors, not an environment of negativity. So we've got to be very careful how we approach our children. Now, in motivating our kids, again, we are going to try to do things that are going to make them feel good, provide them with objects, uh, or even take away those objects, but we're going to do it in a short period of time. Uh, I oftentimes use the term, I want your attention. In other words, I'm not here to punish you, but I've got to get your attention. Now, sometimes I need their attention three, four, five, six times, depending. The smaller the kid, probably the longer, more times that they'll go back and do the same offense. But if I, in a short-term way, keep getting their attention, pretty soon they're going to realize, you know, this is counterproductive. Even a kid understands that, a young child. If I want my teddy bear, which I dearly love, then I have got to listen to mom or dad. Something so, something so simple as a teddy bear to a two-year-old can be very, very effective. But now if I take that teddy bear away from that kid for a, a whole day, a little two-year-old, folks, that's not going to help matters any. I want that little kid, uh, maybe just 30 seconds, i got to say, I'm going to take Teddy and put him up here on the refrigerator until you put your toys away. That is an effective way, and I'm not punishing the child. I'm getting their attention. And just look down at your child and say, honey, I need your attention. The toys have to be put away so that somebody doesn't break your toys, so that somebody doesn't fall on your toys. So And you can even use this as a threat. You don't have to take Teddy away. Do we need to put Teddy on top of the refrigerator? Usually you're going to see the two-year-old kids say, no, no, Mommy, no, no, Daddy, I'll put my toys away. So they go over, they put their toys away, and you have eliminated a significant battle, and your child appreciates and understands that you're not there to punish them. Okay, let's take another break. And now back to Lifeline. Welcome back to Purpose Driven Parenting and this is your host, Vern Tyler. We've been talking about control versus influence today. We've been talking about motivating our children. I want to continue with this topic of motivating our children uh, because, again, it's such an important one. Next to our children, knowing that we love them and uh, we're modeling and demonstrating that to them, the second thing that we need to really focus on is understanding the level of influence we have. And then the third thing is what we've been talking about today is how can I motivate my child? Uh, Motivate them away from inappropriate behaviors and uh, inculcate in them or develop good behaviors. And again, this has to start very young, folks. Um, I think most of us that have worked with children understand that, uh, well, their personality is set by age three. Uh, So even those infant years are very, 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 very critical for us to uh, love our children and not have them in an environment or keep them in an environment or have an environment where there's a lot of tension, a lot of punishment, a lot of yelling. We need to appreciate and understand uh, the correct environment, and our response to our children are so, so significant. Folks, I want to real quickly try to touch on a, an issue here that I think sometimes we, I think we are aware of it, but we don't really rationally think it through. And that's that uh, adults and children are on two different planes. Children are emotionally oriented. They live for the moment. They don't count tomorrow. Tomorrow is never for them. Okay? That's just too far off. Uh, they don't even have a concept of tomorrow. Everything is in the moment. Uh, they're very selfish, uh, you know, and they don't have to be taught that. You put two babies and one baby bottle together, and uh, they're, they'll fight over that baby bottle because that's their nature. Uh, they're not considerate. They haven't had a chance to develop those understandings yet. They look for immediate gratification children. That's all that they've focused on. Uh, I don't care what it is, food, toys, attention. They're looking for uh, that. Again, their thought processes have not been developed, so they're going to be emotional. And, folks, as, we, as adults, particularly those that are over age 25, now there's some significant brain issues that happen up until the age of 25 that kind of keep us immature, all right, keep us in this emotional stage. Scientifically, basically, individuals under the age of 25 uh, work very highly or are very highly motivated or focused with the emotional uh, maybe we should raise the marriage age from 18 to 25 just to try to keep the emotion out of the, the issue of marriage. I say that rather jokingly, uh, but yet there's a serious side to that. We need to understand that we as parents, which most of us are probably going to be over the age 25, we approach our environments and what we need and so on and so forth on a logical, thought-out process. That's not where children are coming from. Children are from this emotional side. And it's very critical for those of us that are parents and grandparents to understand, hey, this child is thinking and reacting and acting uh, the way that they are because of their age. They have not developed, uh, the brain has not developed to the point where they are logical and thinking and understand uh, the issue of consequences. Uh, So it's very, very critical for those of us that are working with children to understand Uh, To apply a logical consequence is not going to necessarily give us the outcome or the effect that we want. We have to think the way a child thinks when we are motivating our children. Uh, Again, I don't like the term punishment, uh, but when we discipline or punish our children, uh, if we don't understand and integrate that into our response process, then we are going to be abusing, effectively, this child uh, because a child has not had the capacity to understand what we're trying to accomplish or what we're trying to, the end result we're shooting for. Uh, so we have to think uh, like a child. Now it isn't that we don't use logic in that thinking. I'm not dismissing the criticalness of, of logic. Please don't misunderstand that. But please, if we don't try to understand where and why our child is reacting the way they are, then we're going to only complicate this whole issue. I'm going to drive our children away from us. Uh, So when we motivate our children, we have to understand what it is that's going to motivate them, and it's going to have to probably have a very significant emotional content to it. Not a logical content, but an emotional content. Uh, Now, I like to focus on three different things, positive strokes, positive consequences, And the one that I very rarely, or when I have to, I I will have to go there, and that's negative consequences. Negative consequences is when I have had an unwanted behavior, unwanted reaction, and I feel that I need to address the issue for the safety, for the sake of the child, so I may have to met out a negative consequence. But that negative consequence, again, has to relate to how that child's emotional being is. If I take something away uh, from that child uh, that is highly motivating, the child highly likes, uh, that's okay to take that thing away. But I don't want to do that for a long period of time now for this child because tomorrow for them again doesn't exist. Even an hour from now for them is existent So I've got to think about that. Uh, you've heard the, the generalization, uh, when you punish your child, you punish based based upon the age of the child. Child is ten years old. You can set them in the corner for no longer than ten minutes. If the child is six years old, uh, you're not going to punish them. Make them go to their room for more than six minutes. That's kind of a rule of thumb, uh, and you can rule you can use that in motivating your children, but keep it short again. To take an, uh, uh, for a six year old, a ten year old, a, a preteen, and give them take a week's um, privilege away from them is totally illogical to that child and is obviously they're going to interpret that as punishment, punitive. That's not a loving thing for them. You're not modeling love. You're not modeling sympathy and understanding. And I think they're absolutely right. And I think we parents that don't understand that are technically abusing our kids, and we're driving them in the wrong direction. That's very serious. Uh, So we need to understand that. Now, positive, let's go back to the positive side. The positive is when you, uh, before the child even behaves or when they do behave, you want to develop good behaviors, desired behaviors. You want to avoid using the term no. No is inflammatory for a child. That's going to automatically lead to an argument. Stop and think about it. Think in your own home. home. This is very true. Uh, So you want to be able to use positive strokes, which means when you see them doing something good, recognize it. Jimmy, that was great the way you took the garbage out without me telling you. Now that's a normal chore. and I'll have parents say, wait a minute. This is ridiculous. That was their responsibility. I shouldn't have to recognize them for it. Well, folks, if you don't recognize them for it, the child is not going to feel positive about the experience. Yeah, they've done their obligation But again, that's not an emotional feeling for that child. But it is emotional for them to hear from you, Johnny, that was a great job. How does that feel emotionally to you? How does that feel emotionally when our wife or our spouse gives us those kind of recognition things? Uh, The next um, get-together we have, I'm going to touch on uh, the positive strokes and positive consequences in greater detail because these are some important concepts. And if you can learn to integrate these into your family you will create good behaviors and not have to use negative consequences to try to get rid of the bad behaviors. These uh, these concepts uh, build and uh, if we don't do things right, we complicate and compound the very issue that we're trying to avoid. So in the, uh, the next few sessions that we've got, we'll try to address uh, some of these things and give you some greater insight. Look forward to seeing you again at the next program.
1: Well, Vern, I'd like to thank you for your insights and comments today as part of our ongoing parenting series, a part of the Hosanna Parent Project, and for folks that say, gee, this is really great stuff, I'd like to go a little bit deeper. I'll remind listeners you can download today's program as part of the KFAX podcast at kfax.com. I would encourage you to listen to this content again, certainly listen to it together with your spouse, and be able to, down through the coming days and weeks, Build principle upon principle, precept upon precept. For parents that need to go a little bit deeper and want to go into some intensive training, tell us a bit about the Hosanna Parent Project and how they can sign up for classes.
2: Yes, they can go to the website that you had just mentioned, hosannaparentproject.org. dot org. They also can go to the national uh, website, which is www parentproject dot com, and all of the opportunities are, are listed on that website however i am in the only one in the united states that's using the parent project spiritually based curriculum everybody else is secular so those that want the spiritual emphasis need to come to my series, and then that way they'll be able to get that influence.
1: You have multiple-week seminars taking place at churches throughout the Bay Area. And what if somebody listening says, we need this in our church? Is it available?
2: It is. Go to the same website. Give me some information. I'll contact the pastor, and we'll see if we can't arrange it based on the, the ability to use the church.
1: And again, information available on the series at HosannaParentProject.org. A number of tools and resources available at that website as well. HosannaParentProject.org. That's HosannaParentProject.org.
0: Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. On air, online, on app. KFAX, San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose. A service of Salem Media. Sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, Philip de Corsi shows us how to receive God's blessing. In God's kingdom, it's something to be nothing. See, in the world, to be something, it's to be the big dog. It's to be at the head of the line. It's to have power. It's of people serving you. But in God's kingdom, being nothing is really something. See, God can fill empty vessels. He can't fill vessels that are full. You want to be something, then be Nothing.